This is Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, episode number 66. Today, our dear colleague, Ellen Reed, is our special guest. Ellen is a nurse consultant, gestalt therapist, and the author of Someone to Watch Over You, Finding Your Strength Within. In her book and during our interview, Ellen shares her experiences and the lessons learned that inspired the book and can guide individuals to better understand themselves and find the strength to overcome any kind of challenge. Don't miss this inspiring interview. Hi, healthcare leaders. I'm Tracy Christofferson. And I'm Michelle Trosett. We're your hosts for Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, and we are so grateful you joined us today. You're about to see healthcare problems and challenges through a brand new lens and take your leadership to a whole new level with this podcast. We've coached healthcare leaders from across North America for over 30 years as they strive to establish healthy healing organizations and thriving work cultures. This is the only podcast that shows healthcare leaders how to apply polarity thinking, the missing logic in healthcare, to their reoccurring challenges so they can stop wasting time, money, and resources on fixes that fail. If you want to create a healthy healing organization where staff and leaders thrive and perform at their highest level, where values are aligned, outcomes are sustainable, and the highest quality of care is delivered, then this podcast is for you. Keep listening. Each week, you're going to learn how to leverage a polarity mindset and manage competing priorities as we use a polarity lens to explore everyday challenges with the leaders who are striving to manage them. We're thrilled you're here. everybody, it's Tracy. And Michelle, welcome back to another episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. Woohoo! <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> We're happy to be here. We hope you are too. Yes, yeah. And we have a dear friend and colleague that we interviewed today. We're so excited to share this interview with you. Yeah, it was great to reconnect with Ellen. It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, she worked with us for, for a while, and it was it was great um, working with her then and reconnecting with her now. Yeah, and I think it just goes to show you, you never know when people of the past are going to show up on your path again, and Ellen shows up big time with a new book and a phenomenal story. We can't wait for you to hear her story. So powerful. Yeah, I'm so proud of her, right? What an accomplishment. I mean, this is on our bucket list, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> to write a book and yeah, here she goes and does it, right? And for good reason. It's quite a bit of her, you know, this is her legacy really. And, yeah. so, and you'll learn more about that uh, in the interview, but just very proud of her and just really connected with her message in the book too. Oh, absolutely. Very much in line with the work that we're doing on resiliency and balance with healthcare leaders. So, yeah, the synergy there was just phenomenal. So, before we hear the interview with Ellen J. Reed, let me tell you a little bit about her. Ellen served as a clinical nurse specialist for over 40 years, including 10 years as a psychiatric consult consultant liaison nurse for Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital in New Brunswick, New Jersey. While there, she was referred by physicians and nurses to intervene with patients and families facing traumatic and progressive illnesses in one of their many critical care units and their cancer center. Ellen also addressed the extreme stress in providing care or being a caregiver when hope for improvement was not likely. Ellen created a private practice using grief and loss, nursing, and Gestalt theory as a foundation where she encouraged clients to address issues by honoring their past while owning their present. She advocated the benefit of being in touch with both thoughts and feelings with the understanding that many areas of discontent relate back to unfinished business and unresolved grief. Her new book, Someone to Watch Over You, offers you the opportunity to appreciate your ability to be resilient through life's most difficult challenges. It encourages relationships that serve you and acceptance of the reality of loss when they do not. So without further ado, here's Ellen in our interview. Well, Ellen, welcome to Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. We're so excited to be with you today. I am equally thrilled. Oh, great. Yeah, it's just a kindred 
longtime spirits, right? We've been connected yes. for quite a long time, and it's just so much fun when we get to do this. <laughs> so we always like to start out with a little bit of banter, right? Just a little get-to-know-you kind of stuff. And so we thought it might be great for you to share with our listeners what is one of your favorite hobbies and what gives you the greatest joy. When, when you're so involved with work all of your life, um, I've kind of come to the philosophy that that's where I receive my most joy. However, if I think long and hard about your question, I think people watching is one of my favorite things to do in life. And it, it might be because I was the youngest of four of a multi-generational household where people um, you know, we're constantly talking and acting, and I didn't always understand what they were talking about. So I found myself translating that into my adult life as a people watcher and, and became an avid traveler. And whenever I'm in an airport or in another country, I really enjoy watching other people, even when I don't understand the word they're saying, and trying to figure out the essence of the communication. And then over time, I realized what a good, what good practice that was for me becoming a good listener. Oh, that is so true. And I just love watching people, right? And then you kind of like go, oh, I wonder what their story is. Yes. I wonder what yes. story they're, they're sharing right now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, we're no stranger. As we mentioned earlier, we've known each other for quite a while. And do you want to share with our listeners how the three of us met? Oh, yes, I'd be happy to. I um, was absolutely delighted to be a consultant um, in clinical practice uh, model resource center, surrounded by tremendously good-hearted, and bright individuals who had a lot of my own like interests in healthcare in particular. I've always been very careful about practicing within standards of care or adding to standards of care when I became an expert at something. Um, I was one of those people early in, in my practice as a nursing director who would often be teased at nursing meetings because I could recite the, the journal, the verse. It was like reciting the Bible, um, the chapter, the paragraph, and the author who might support what people were trying to say. Um, it was probably because I needed to be feeling more credible but it, it served me from the time I was at NYU as an undergraduate um, to, to learn about the importance of defending nursing practice to the degree that I was in my early, you know, I was in my teens still, marched on Albany to open up the Nurse Practice Act and modify it to demonstrate that we were more than what was said in the previous act and that we wanted to be sure to maintain the control under a board of nursing. Um, I also came to CPMRC as a nurse psychotherapist and I found Tracy and Michelle to recognize the importance of honoring people and their gifts and talents. And boy, is that what life is all about. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, you were right there with us, Ellen, just embracing that whole holistic model, body, mind, and spirit, and then co-creating the tools, right? Yes. To have those standards and to actually live it every day in clinical practice. And, and uh, you brought so much to our team, and uh, we're very grateful for that part of our journey that was very synergistic in walking together. Um, absolutely. Well, thank you. And you know what? And we have really appreciated how you've continued to learn and weave together 
your areas of knowledge and expertise, such as your expertise in grief and loss, nursing and gestalt therapy. And as a gestalt therapist, uh, can you please share with our listeners, you know, just really what's so unique about this type of therapy? Well, gestalt therapy really honors the whole of a person, their thoughts, their feelings, their present moment, and all of the experiences in their history that make them who they are today. Um, it's far different than my experience of traditional or formal um, psycho, psych, psychiatric or, psych, or Freudian-based therapy where you really spent a great deal of hours and days and months focusing on what had happened in the past. My patients would come to me with a, an issue and say, I'm not surviving well right now. And rather than go back to the day they were born right away, um, we would focus first on what they were facing and then incorporate all those parts of who they were. Uh, Fritz Perls was the founder of um, Gestalt Therapy. And for anybody who had the joy of watching any of his old videos, he would actually sit you in a room and he'd say, with a, oh, with a big cigar in his mouth, laid back in a comfy chair. And he'd tell his patients, now be that lamp and tell us what you see in this room. Let that lamp say who you are. So it's very effective technique and something to remember that role playing even today is really an essential piece of helping people uncover more about themselves. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um, sure. uh, you know, I think we all probably have a little bit of memory back in our brains from the different therapies we learned from, you know, Psych 101 in our, <laughs> in our health professions education. But it's a good it's a good reminder. And when you said role playing, it took me right back to having experiences, you know, around that. And that profound, you know, ability to just learn from other perspectives, right? And we'll talk more yes. about that later. Well, I, um, I, I think, too, um, it's leveraging those experiences, right? Yeah. Like, right. Making sense I, of it. Yeah. It's not like to erase them. It's to say, well, how does that inform me? And what interpretations do I have around that that I can maybe let go of, right? And, and choose exactly. something different. Yeah. It, for a long time, I recognized that um, people sometimes live out their, the fears and feelings of their ancestors and need to speak about that and come to terms with it, acknowledge it, and then maybe put it away because it's not theirs or it's not serving them any longer. Um, in my own life, my ancestors came from Europe, and I realized that they were, it, it took me a while to realize how courageous they were to cross an ocean, and they weren't wealthy people, so they were in steerage of a ship, came here to find a better life for themselves and their progeny. and. It wasn't as rosy as everybody made it out to be. And while they were courageous, they taught the emotion of fear. You know, be safe, stay inside, um, be careful even when you go out to go to school. Um, that was the message that was sent as I went out the door. Be careful. Well, what was I needing to be careful about? Luckily, I had other family members who taught me to be a risk taker and to go out and exercise things in the world that I didn't know and to feel parts that were also valuable and real. That's a, that's a great reflection and a lot of lessons in that. Um, you know, Ellen, we were just so excited when we heard about your book. Um, 
someone to watch over you, finding your strength within. And um, we're really struck, too, that the timing of your publication is so good right now with a global pandemic going on. Um, can you share with our listeners, you know, what inspired you to write this book? Absolutely. I, I have had such a varied um, experience throughout my career, starting like many of us as nurses at the bedside. But all along, I knew that I wanted to kind of put things together. I didn't want to be a psychiatric nurse per se, but felt I needed to pay my dues to understand what that was. I wanted to take the awareness of people's emotions during traumatic experiences and um, bring it to a general hospital situation. And I was able to do that in a role that was called Psychiatric Consultation Liaison at Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital. So that kind of in, reinforced um, this idea that people were very hungry for ways to cope. I was working pre predominantly with traumatically ill and dying patients, but who next to me were the caregivers of those same patients and the physicians? Um, so I realized it, that it was due time, I was encouraged. Um, many of my staff and colleagues along the way said that you have had a vision for a long, long time and you exercised that vision, you made it a reality, and we want to learn more how you did that. We, we, we really want to be part of that. Um, one of my CNEs, in fact, said to me one time when I was a director of uh, an oncology service and, and other areas, she said, you are a visionary, but you never put it down in writing. How am I going to promote what you say and want unless you commit it to writing? So in the fall of 2018, I kind of got a big push. I was diagnosed as having metastatic ovarian cancer, stage 3C. Um, it, be, it was a crisis for me. And I'm going to use that word in the very best of ways because crisis is something that you don't have all the tools and resources to deal with, um, but you don't have to stay there. And I chose not to stay there. Um, I realized that I needed to put my thoughts and feelings into words before it was too late. And so in between chemotherapies, when I went to a very dark place and could barely lift my head off of a pillow sometimes, I started to write and organize my thinking. And I realized that I wanted to begin with helping people find their authentic self. And in finding that self, they would have better success at engaging with other people. And so my book goes through um, that whole process of uh, either finding yourself or redefining who you want to be learning who, what engaging qualities you have, what do you want in terms of other people in your life? Like I realized I didn't have much time anymore for people who are not loving. So my experience and what I teach people along the way is to choose who you want in your life. If people are angry and ugly about things, don't spend a lot of time including them in your inner circle. You know, they may be there for a good reason, but, you know, learn from them what you can and then move on. Um, my book also 
recognizes lasting relationships that are were found in um, Celtic wisdom, referring to soul friends. And it was many of my soul friends who got me through to today. Two of them I'm looking at right now. Um, they st stayed with me forever, with forever reason, and I I'm grateful to all of them. Yeah, I love that. And I, I just love choice right like that's one yeah. of my things in life is mindful and conscious choices because we always have a choice and Absolutely. i think sometimes people just don't exercise it right and um, and so i'm so grateful for that you know for what you experience and choosing not to stay in the crisis right which i think a lot mm -hmm. of people have choices they make you know around those kinds of things every day and they stay stuck in that and it becomes like it's a defining moment right it defines yeah. who they are from that moment on and i just you know i'm, I'm just uh, i have not had that experience so i don't judge that but i notice it you know i just notice it well out, um, of, out of my usual curiosity on day one of meeting with my medical oncologist i said to him so what does all this mean like I know you can't really answer this truthfully, but what is my prognosis? How long do I have? And he said, about four years. I said, no. I said, I'm going to have to prove you wrong. So, so I'm, I'm close to the second year, and I feel great. So I'm continuing on. Oh, yes. You just oh, keep on that journey. Keep going. That's keep right. Going. That's yeah. right. Well, so many times people have been given a prognosis like that and proved their physicians yes. wrong, right? Exactly. It's all internal, right? It's all internal. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, in our second episode, we interviewed um, Barry Johnson, and he shared um, that, you know, how he created the first polarity map, which is really, right, the visual representation of this, uh, you know, phenomenon of polarities. Um, after he did a gestalt therapy session with a client, and um, Barry's introduction of polarity thinking has been really a gift to the world. It's the foundation of our dynamic balance effect framework that we use and also the healthy healing organization framework that we um, that we leverage in healthcare organizations to create healthy healing environments, right? And you talk about the importance to differentiate between a problem and a polarity in your book. Do you want to share a little bit about why that's important when it comes, especially to resilience? Oh, for sure. First of all, I utilize Dr. Johnson's work all the time and particularly found it valuable in working with clients and then later when i became a project management manager um it was really helpful to kind of put out both of those concepts is this a problem to solve you know or a polarity to manage it helps people crystallize their energy you know what am i going to what is the point of spending time and energy on something that really isn't a solvable issue? It's actually to be accepted. You know, accept that this thing or whatever situation is part of your life, and you need to find the best, the upside, as, as he would say. Um, find the upside in every polarity. You know, why should I sit and dwell on the worst when I can look at the other side? What do I have to gain? Um, when I did that, it was a real aha moment for most people that I've come in touch with. You know, and they'd scratch their head and say, you're absolutely right. You know, you're, you really have a point here. Polarities are interdependent opposites. And in leadership, if we don't have people who are in that role inspired to lead others to be the best that they can, we limit those of us whom we're leading to be 
at their best of job performance. And so it is what we're all about. I think what it's all about when you are um, a healthcare leader is to be clear about yourself first and watch out for all the good in other people and help them aspire to be the best they can be without being bogged down with putting their energy in places it doesn't belong. Oh, Ellen, that's, that's so well said. We actually, Tracy and I did a, we recorded a solo session earlier today and we talked about the significance of managing self and other from a leadership perspective and you just articulated it so well. And I love what you said. It helps you to crystallize your energy because there is an energy between the two. And I think the magic of the polarity map is it helps you visualize, but I've never heard anyone referred to it as crystallized, but it makes it crystal clear what we're dealing with here, right? Right. Well, and you want to leverage that energy, yes. right? It's like a, it's a lever uh, to move you forward versus, you know, weighing you down or crumpling you. Exactly. As I said in the beginning, it's accepting, you know, accept the reality of what's before you and then make the best of that situation. So true. So true. And, you know, we've been focused on resilience with healthcare leaders as well in our work. Um, and, you know, especially related to burnout and, of course, the COVID-19 pandemic. And so what is your advice um, for our listeners on what they can do to exercise, right, that resilience muscle or develop it, use it, especially during the pandemic? Like most people in the world, when first faced with self-quarantining myself and my husband and not being able to be engaged with family and squeeze my grandchildren or put my hand out to shake to, you know, to embrace people that I know or meet new people was an incredibly hard lesson in life and I realized so many people stayed in, as we talked about stayed in that spot you know like woe is me look what's happening to me um nothing much to do I guess I'll just watch binge watch and catch up on pole dark um <laughs> I have consistently asked people to look at the brighter side. What, what have you done to make use of this time? Um, is there something around you that you're missing or that you missed? Um, I, I found, for me, let me tell you a real simple one. I had... Um, the Rosetta Stone package to learn Italian in my briefcase for I don't know how many years and couldn't find the time to do it. And I took that puppy out and started learning Italian because someday I'm going to Italy again. And this time I'm going to be prepared. So I ask people in this COVID environment, what is, what is the grace? What is the blessing in this? What can you find for yourself? How can you use this to search inside yourself, to meditate, to improve upon your health habits, your mind, body, and spirit? Maybe it's time to learn to cook differently and enjoy food differently. You know, because there was a little bit of a period of time and we are still not totally sure that we may be in food security mode. So be prepared, go out and build a garden for yourself. You know, there, there's always another side. And boy, does Barry Johnson's work tell us that. You know, look at the other side of even the worst situation. And, and go for it. Such wise words. 
Thank you. So Ellen, as a cancer survivor, you know, uh, we know that you've learned some lessons about resilience just around that. Um, you mind sharing a couple of your own personal stories about resilience related to your cancer? Yes, yeah, sure. Um, I had to be sure not to overwhelm myself because if you get too far out of the present, there are times when the future looks pretty dim. And um, I know there were moments in time when I was feeling particularly sorry for myself um, that I have a litany of things that I wouldn't be able to do. Like I won't see my granddaughter graduate and I won't see her get married and I won't, you know, all the wants. And I had to pull myself back to the here and now and look at what I could do. And even this week, um, we're being really careful not to engage with our little kids because my son is an attorney and he sometimes has to go into court and he's afraid he'll give me something that, um, you know, that will bring on COVID-19 for me. So this week, my thing is to start writing to my five-year-old and three-year-old grandchildren and each week send them a letter about their family and how much we love them. There's, there's so many things like that that I've taken for granted, but right away I reached out to people that I know and love to tell them the meaning they had for me from me, you know, the meaning they served in life, what they meant to me, um, what they still mean, you know, how I remembered things from our work or our family that serve me now. Um, I also decided it was time to heal any wounds if it was worth going back and letting people know that I was regretful about things so that I could let it go. Um, I most of the time was greeted with appreciation. Sometimes people were not yet ready to let it go, but uh, that's their issue, not mine. Um, I did the work that I needed to do, and I encourage other people to do that. Well, you know, there's a couple things that you said that just really struck me. And one was you said, I decided. And I think we can do anything once we decide yes. that we are going to do it. Yes. Remember, there's a whole pattern, and I write about this in the book. Um, you have thoughts, feelings, and those stimulate action. And while we sometimes can't change our feelings as easily. We can alter our thoughts. And with that altering our thoughts, we can find the energy to make, to choose different behavior or different outcomes. Yeah, that's a lot of what we teach our coaching clients yes. to our healthcare leaders as we're helping them to develop, right? Uh, balanced and resilient lives, right, is that thoughts are so powerful and it drives yeah. so much of your uh, experience and your emotions. And it is the one thing that you can change, right? You can change mm -hmm. your thoughts. And when you change your thoughts, it's like this ripple effect happens. And, yes. um, and I saw that in what you were saying too. And I think the other thing is you're, you're um, staying present in this moment. Right. And I think from a resilience perspective, oftentimes we spend so much time looking back or worrying about what's coming and we don't even know what's coming. We don't have guaranteed one more minute. So why are we worried about two, three, four, five minutes, five hours, two days, six weeks, whatever? Like it, it may never even happen. And we spend right. so much time and energy focused there 
when it's just a waste of time the only thing that you need to pay attention to is this moment that you're in right now making it the best that you can right absolutely i used to think of the metaphor of having you know one foot behind me and one foot in front of me and i'm not as able to do a split as when i was real little but that's kind of how you feel you you know you feel split somewhere in between the past and the future and can't possibly enjoy the present you're so right you're just so right well you know in in chapter six in your book um finding the words to say you really broaden your readers um, appreciation for just human communication and so can you share what you mean when you say communication is at the center of everything you do in life yes i'd be happy to starting with the first time you meet someone or you're in a boardroom and someone walks in first impressions are so very important you need i used to tell folks and i do this myself practice in front of a mirror check out your face and make sure that the expression that you want is the one that will serve you in that relationship how do you want people to remember you you know i know when i was hiring people the funny part was you know like who would come in in their worst possible clothing from the street you know from the garden or something or who would take time to at least clean up a little you know because are they serious about requesting this job and in the boardroom is are you sitting there smirking or scowling your eyebrows or are you looking down on people or are you staying open to what's being said, even if in your heart of hearts, you may not agree with the person, but at least you're taking it in. So communication has to do with being aware of your thoughts and feelings and your actions. It has to do with um, honoring that from other people. Um, it has to do with deciding where the rubber hits the road and whether or not you're courageous enough to put your thoughts and feelings into words um i've been known as someone who tends to do that to my own you know there are times when you get in trouble doing that but but uh at least people know who you are you get to be known for what you communicate, what you think, what you feel. You're reliable, you become reliable. So that if, if a certain kind of person is needed to take an organization to the next step, they look for you. They want you to be by their side. Also an important part of communication that people fail to recognize is that you don't always have to be talking being that good listener is so important you know understanding and asking questions from a listening perspective help me like i always say help me understand what you mean i'm not sure i do and allow another person to speak we don't need to monopolize or occupy all the time in a, in a discussion in terms of crucial conversations i speak in my book about the many times that you have to come to a decision a tough decision in, in particular like people um of the sandwich generation for example you have children and you have elderly parents and here you are trying to do your best to bring something to the world and you're constantly making decisions and compartmentalizing your time and energy so that everybody has a little bit of a piece of you but 
in terms of crucial conversations, I think of times when you have to let your, your aging parent know that it's not safe for them to drive or to let your organization know that they're heading in a direction where there are roadblocks ahead, that you've been there before, you've seen this happen, and perhaps they need to go back to the drawing board and reconsider their decision. Often people don't like to be told that because they're, you know, real happy, oh, I made that decision and we're moving on. Well, it's important to see the consequences of every decision. Clearly, I love communicating. Yes. <laughs> and we like listening to you, Ellen. Oh, thank you. You're very good at it. Yes, you are. And, you know, I was, you know, I was really struck by what you said, you know, to be a good communicator, you know, you have to have awareness, right? And uh, it's that intention that you bring to that communication that's so important. Um, and I just ran across a quote this morning by Rumi. Um, you know, the poet Rumi, it said, silence is the language of God, all else is poor translation. <laughs> so right. you really brought forth that sometimes we don't have to say words, right? Sometimes right. it's just being right. with people and just being there in that whole, uh, you know, the whole principle of silence and dialogue is just really profound. So yeah, it's, it's communication is such a critical way that we relate to each other and ourselves. Don't communication we do to our you know with ourselves exactly i was thinking about this this morning as a leader i always wanted my staff to know i was there for them that we sometimes would disagree and that was okay and that there was space in my life to hear that um my my one um charge nurse who eventually took over being a director of one of my areas um, would say to me, you never raised your voice. Not once did you raise your voice, but I could see the whites of your eyes getting bigger and bigger. And it, <laughs> it was enough to alert me that I needed to take a second look at what was happening. You know, perhaps I hadn't made the right decision. So you don't need to scare people into agreeing with you. You need to decide who it is you want to be. And for me, it was I wanted to be kind and loving. I wanted to be present. I wanted to be there even in the worst of times. And ultimately, you know, in the healthcare setting, it was always about the patient. Would this be the best for our patients? Yeah, yeah. That was your uh, that was your anchor. It's something yes. you highly valued, and, and you brought yeah. the intention through your communication. Mm -hmm. yeah, In and, fact, one of my leaders said to me one day, "You seem to think you're entitled," and I laughed to myself because, of all people. I'm not one to act like I'm entitled, you know, like a princess. And I had to remind her that everything I was asking for were for my oncology patients. Yes, if, if I don't, if I didn't do pay my dues, put my ducks in order, get that extra MBA after I got my master's as a clinician, it was all to make sure that what we were our patients needed um, was available and I could speak the, the language of the CFO or the CNE to make sure that they could see the other perspective. Yeah, that's so important, right? You were the, the bridge that helped them see yeah, both perspectives. Often. Right, right. It's a gift. It is a gift. It's it is work. a gift. It's work. <laughs> well worth well, it. Well, exactly, right? It is. Yes. It's, you have to be intentional. You have to be thoughtful. Absolutely. I just loved what you said about, you know, choose who you want to be. 
because it is so much about that at the heart of everything, right? It is, who do I want to be? And we've been saying this in our work, you know, especially during COVID, who do you want to be going through this? And who do you want to be on the other side of it? Because it's your choice. It's your choice. You can be any way you want to be. I didn't always have this, but now that there's a period at the end of my sentence, as I like to say, you know, all of us know that someday we will end our life or our life will be ending. But we, you know, tend to ignore that and move on. But when someone tells you you have cancer, you kind of say, oh, well, maybe it's not going to be forever. And the gift that you get from that is don't waste your time. You know, take, take the time now and use your energy when you can to say what you believe in and be who you want to be. Yeah, that is such a powerful message, right? Because, again, it goes back to what Trace said. We all have choices. And, yes, um, absolutely. Yeah. You know, we love the way that you closed your book, Ellen. Um, You closed it with the emphasis on how important it is for each of us to be our own best friend, right? Our own best friend. And, you know, Tracy and I have been best friends for many, many years. And we also, you know, we really appreciate the fact that we need to be our own best friends too, right? It's back to that polarity of self and other. Um, But I, I really liked the way that you put that to think about it in a, a BFF framework <laughs> for, for yourself. I think it's just really powerful. And um, you close your book and you recommend that we have to sing our own praises for ourselves, right? We have to build ourselves up. And uh, you put a mantra at the end of your book and you really encourage your readers to look in the mirror every morning and say that mantra. and. Um, we thought it'd be a great way to close our podcast with you today. If, if you wouldn't mind reading what you put at the end of your book as a reminder for all of us that we're our own best friends and what we could say to ourselves every day. Wonderful. I would love to. I love you for who you are. You move through life with purpose and joy to a world that sometimes struggles with peace. You are mindful to speak words, works of truth and kindness. You are a beacon of light. I love our passion to find beauty. I am always here with you to give you courage and strength for all the challenges you may face today. Your potential is great. Now go out and put it to good use. Thank you. Thank you. So that's a challenge for all of us. That's fabulous. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Now we have it it recorded and we can hear you tell us that every day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Well, thank you so much, Ellen. This has been just so great to reconnect. And um, I love how you said earlier, too, that, you know, there's just some people in your life that just keep showing up. And um, you're certainly one of those people in our lives. And we're so grateful that you have put your, your, put your, all of connecting the dots, right, of life's wisdom into your book. And I really think of it as a wonderful life guidebook and really encourage people to to read it and um, there's just so many pearls of wisdom. So I just really want to thank you for sharing some of the nuggets with us today. Thank you both very, very much. I hearing you say that makes me feel like I achieved my goal. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And I just add my congratulations. What, what an incredible way to leave a legacy um, to share all that wisdom and those, those experiences and, um, you know, I, I too, I think it's a wonderful tool for individuals to use, right? To grow and evolve and to stretch into their full capacity 
um, as human beings and to go out and put all of that, they, all of what they are and can be to good use. <laughs> right. Yeah. So Ellen, we're going to put a link to your book in our show notes. So when people listen to this, if they want to order a copy, they certainly can do that. Mm -hmm. And then, um, just how do people find you? If anyone was really inspired and they want to reach out and they want to find you, um, how can they find you? I actually welcome that. And I, I do have an email that is dedicated for that. Okay. And um, if you need me to say that. Yeah, you, you can go print it. It's, it's um, Ellen Reed, 215 at gmail.com and I have a website as well I have to remember it <laughs> um, my website um, is www.ellenjreed.com all right oh, that's awesome and before we wrap up completely do you have any last parting words that you'd like to share with the listeners Yes, I, I think, you know, as, as I've been saying, it is so important for individuals to believe in themselves, to find who they are and who they want to be, and to be able to ride the storms, accept the challenges, and know that even in the most desperate moments, there's something to learn and grow. I love that. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you. It's yeah. been wonderful to have you on the show, Ellen. Thanks so much for sharing all your light and wisdom. And it's a joy <laughs> for me. I always keep you two with me. <laughs> well, we'll stay connected. Good. I hope so. All right. It all sounds right. great. Stay safe and healthy now. Yes. Keep the word going. I love it. All right. You will. All right. Thank you. Bye See bye you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, as always, for listening to Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. You can find show notes and links at our website, missinglogic.com forward slash new dash podcast. If you're the kind of leader who wants to help others, then share this podcast with your peers and other healthcare leaders. We're certain if you found value in it, they will too. Please share this on your social media channels and leave us a review in iTunes. If you don't know how to leave a review, you can find instructions at the end of the show notes. We'd also love to hear and answer your questions. So if you have some questions, you can email us at questions at missinglogic.com. And we may include your question in a future episode.